Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my yes. fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How are you doing? I'm Chuck. And I'm Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. Metal Sucks Podcast is brought to you by the Rockstar Energy Drink Mayhem Festival, the world's biggest heavy music touring festival. The Rockstar Energy Drink Mayhem Festival enters its eighth year with another fantastic heavy metal and hard rock lineup featuring Slayer as a headliner, King Diamond, Hell Yeah, Devil Wears Prada, and more. Full dates and ticket information LiveNation.com. Now, make sure you are subscribed to us on iTunes and all that good stuff. Search Metal Sucks Podcast, and you will find it on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us all over the place, especially MetalSucks.net on Monday mornings. That's where we park it. And on those posts, you can find a speak pipe and all that good stuff. You can leave us a message. Uh, you can also contact us on the old Twitter box. I am at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks. And in this episode, we've got some good stuff for you. We're going to play you the new Slayer song. We've got uh, Dixie Dave Collins from Weed Eater, which is, I love that dude. I just I just love that dude so much. <laughs> Don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. <laughs> tell you what. Tell you. Uh, it just, he's one of my favorite performers of all time. Like I, I did not even think about who Weed Eater was. Until I saw them live and was mesmerized by the cross eyes. I know the weather's cool in Austin because you're wearing your weed eater hoodie. Hey, dude, I I I, I have a weed eater hoodie. I've got a T-shirt. I've got the I, dude. I'm I'm all about weed eater. <laughs> and and you know I, I I would say he did not disappoint. You know, shopping at Walmart. This interview's a, a good one. And there's not that many interviews with him available. Actually, I know. I was trying to find out. I was trying to find out like what we do as far as when we interview stuff. You know, do research ahead of time. Look at what other people are asking and all that kind of stuff. And wow, there's not there's not a whole lot out there. Uh, and and those that exist, it's sort of like they get interrupted by him going. I'd rather be drinking. You know, and that's that. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> you know? That's why he's my kind of guy. <laughs> All right, you're pretty badass, man. All but right. he spent he spent a good amount of time with us. I think we learned a lot. I, I think. Well, I don't know if we learned a lot, but <laughs> maybe a little bit about him. It's good stuff. How yeah. many times he's been arrested and all that good stuff. That's fun. I, I was glad to hear that the buzz oven thing is not over. I'm, I was always a big buzz oven fan, so it's sort of like. I don't know. Cool to hear that that's still uh, a possibility. Out there, See, you know? I never, I, I never was that big into them for some reason. Like that was no, uh, they were on my radar because they were around a lot of bands that I was into at the time. But I just never got into them. It's interesting because I know we're going to talk a little bit, a little bit about this later. But uh, you know, during that time where people sort of like started walking away from metal, uh, you know, that that that, that uh, in the mid nineties, yeah. Uh, for me, like that buzz of an album that came out on Roadrunner was like a go to for like two years there, you mm-hmm. know, and for there was something about it. I never got into uh, um, I Hate God. I never got into some of their other some of these other sort of southern sludge bands that that buzz Oven were akin to. But for some reason, that particular album just really struck me. And see, those were the bands that I kind of cut my teeth. I really liked a lot of that stuff. And it was the only thing that kind of I still liked in in the 90s. 
you know, I wasn't into that underground death metal stuff that was still coming out that, you know, where they're all trying different shit. And I, I just wasn't into that stuff anymore. Uh, and that was the only thing that I still did. Your what I guess neurosis and I hate God and a lot of those like that's that's sort of like kind of kept me in there a little bit with the heavy stuff, you know, in the late 90s. Uh, that indie phase. Don't ever. Uh, I, I suggest to anybody, don't go through the indie phase, please. <laughs> it's funny because like like neurosis it was like just I I just didn't get it. But for, I have a uh, uh, like a seven inch box set of Tribes of Neurot where they're just pounding on drums and stuff. Yeah, and I, I dug that. It's so bizarre. <laughs> oh, sometimes I wonder about you, dude. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Man. Hey, I mentioned earlier that you can leave us a message on Speakpipe. We got to go to one of our favorite uh, our favorite contributors to the show. Uh, Ty likes to leave us messages, and uh, he left us one this week that we wanted to uh, wanted to use. Hey guys, it's Ty again. How do you guys feel about the metal media getting all worked up whenever someone like Kanye West or Chris Brown is wearing something metal related? Because I think everyone's making a big fucking deal over nothing. And it's kind of kind of sad that sites stoop this low. I, I don't know. I want to know what you guys think of it. Are are these people doing it because they think it's cool and edgy, or is there an actual interest in the music by these people? I don't know. What do you think? I don't think there's any interest in the music whatsoever. I think it's got nothing to do with it at all. No, no, Kanye West is not listening to Anthrax know, or DRI or anything. Buzz Oven. <laughs> exactly. It's like, no, they're not even close, man. I think it's just part of, you know, it, and it kind of dovetails into some of the stories we saw this week about Diesel uh, putting out these, you know, jeans, these $300 pair of jeans with uh, fake metal bands on them and stuff and uh, the making jean jackets with this and or the H&M story about the fake bands that they put on uh, clothing line that they had. It's all about trying to co-opt what looks really cool to them because they have no idea what it's at all about. You could do the same thing with a bunch of like white supremacist bands and the logos look cool and nobody would know, you know, the they just wear it because it looks cool. And that was kind of the point that that H&M story was all about was that, look, we can make up these fake things about these bands that nobody knows about. And it looks all all terrible. And nobody's going to do any research or look at it or have any idea what it what it's all about. Yeah, if that like that metal show on VH1 was cool at all, you know what they'd be doing is utilizing VH1's resources to punk people like Kanye West with like white supremacist bands on a, on a jean jacket. Wouldn't that be pretty funny? Get him wearing that because he thinks it looks cool. Well, the difference <laughs> is out, he's got a screwdriver shirt on. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, the the difference is is that that like the Kanye pictures that were out there, uh, you know, were actually bands you know because i remember you know i'm friends with some of the guys in dri and they were re- they were reposting those because there's there you know there's the the mosh man on the front of it and it's they it was actual logos but those are kind of those are the really really high-end fashion things because they were custom made by somebody i can't even remember who i don't really give a shit but yeah, some dude who's like got a history in punk or something like that was yeah. it that or i thought it was some yeah, maybe that's what it was uh, but but basically he it's not a thing that's made for mass consumption sort of thing you know it's like a one-off jacket that some dude uh, crafted for these guys or sweatpants with the with an anthrax logo on the ass or whatever and it's it's not made for a department store it's just made for kanye but i don't i mean do, do we give a shit whether or not he's wearing that kind of stuff or do, i mean does it matter or is it you know what's what's the point 
you know? Would that be funny if, like, Chance Garnett were, was, like, you know, beating people up and getting arrested because he's so upset that Kanye West used his seven-day money-back guarantee <laughs> on one of those, like, <laughs> things that he's selling on Etsy, you know? <laughs> terrible. That's terrible. Dude, that would... But, I mean, why not? Why wouldn't they start wearing those, like, big old metal armband things? Maybe Chance is on to something. Sooner or later, that's going to happen. I mean, you got to figure that, that if you're going to co-opt the culture and not listen to the music, you're going to... They're going to go deep. I mean, I want to see... I want to see some corpse paint on some people on the red carpet. Now, soon enough, it's going to happen, right? Oh, what a great idea. Yeah, right? I mean, I th- like it, it, Amy Schumer's got to do it, right? That's yeah. that's who's, who's got to pull that shit off. Oh, man. Yeah, that would be <laughs> kick-ass. But I mean, you know, they, but they don't even do that at the Revolver Golden God Awards, that's true. you know? That's actually they true. Got, but not, you know, but that's the thing is that nobody would be smart enough to do it at Revolver Golden Gods except for you or me. Everybody else, you know, it, would, it has to go to like, you know. Yeah, but the uh, troll or the, the troll at Revolver. The dudes in Coldplay are going to do it, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's sort of your, your, your secret troll that you do on the, on the, on the 70,000 tons where you wear the pink shirts and stuff. It's, it's the opposite troll. You go to the Revolver yeah. Golden Gods wearing a, wearing a, uh, a fancy green suit. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's a whole <laughs> other thing. It's a different kind of troll. I'm talking red car. I'm talking fucking Oscars. I want a, you know, and I'm not talking about Jared Leto doing Joker or anything bullshit like that. I'm talking like full on corpse paint and smelling yeah. like Watane. I want, I want some, I want some real <laughs> shit out there, man. Like, let's bring what you, it. What are you wearing? I'm wearing something off of Exit 273. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let, let's go all the way with this shit. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna punk the culture, let's make some perfume that smells like roadkill. Let, let's really, really go for it. But see, this is the thing is that once again, these retailers who re- they know how to sell shit. Right? Exactly. They, right. They know they know how to sell merch better than just about anybody. And once again, they're showing the metal world how it's done. Why is it that nobody has tried selling a pair of pants with real bands patches all over them? I mean, I, I mean, you don't have to sell them for 300, 400 bucks if you put them at your merch table. But I've never seen somebody try to sell a pair of pants. OK. And how cool would that be? All right. Internet metal nerd. I'll have to I'll have to break it down here because the idea is, bro, is that you don't buy stuff with patches. Patches on it, man. You put it on there because you earn those patches by going to shows, man. And you do it yourself. You don't. You don't get somebody. You don't buy something that's pre-made, man. That's not what it's about, dude. The culture is about going and getting it. It's 1995. Okay, I totally get it because you actually got to put some effort to get the patches, right? But in 2015, I can click a couple times and I can order all the patches I want and, and it's good to go. Now you're just being a pain in my ass by, no pun intended, making me sew my own jeans. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I, hey man, but you still had to point and click. I had to go to their website <laughs> and I had to buy, I had to input my credit card information again. They didn't have PayPal. I mean, dude, if I'm Relapse Records or I'm Century media or something like that i'm i'm throwing together some pants that's what i'm doing i'm putting together a jean jacket with my catalog on now that's brilliant now see i think that's actually a great idea if if you've got somebody like sumerian or something like that you have sumerian pants you know that that are all logos from your bands or whatever you know i think that's that's not a bad idea or if you're a sony or warner brothers who's who's big and they own all these imprints that have all these different labels on them you can do all that shit like that that actually makes a lot of sense It'd be kick ass. You know, I mean, that's the thing. All these bands are thinking in silos, right? Oh, I got to sell my merch, my band's logo, my merch. No, dude, start thinking them outside the box. You start like, here are all the bands that we've toured with over the last 20 years. We put them all on one jacket for you. 
you know that'd be kick ass no no dude that's that, that's breaking that's breaking the mold you can't do that man it's it's impossible <laughs> The mold has been broken, whether you like it or not. Now you miss the boat because somebody else is doing it with fake bands on it, and you're making nothing. But I think the point is, is that or what I'm trying to get at is, is, is that fake band thing? Like, is Diesel and H and M are they tapping into something that people really want, or are they telling people this is what they want? You know, because I mean, the the issue is with somebody like a that's putting out a you know $250 jean jacket or something like that they're quote unquote tastemakers you know what i mean they're not they're they're not people that are that's that's what they're supposed to be doing is they're telling people what they want and co-opting metal for something like that is that's not that's not a good thing i don't think that H&M and Diesel are in the business of taste making i think they're in the business of selling stuff that people will buy i think that the Kanye West and all these uh, people wearing iron maiden t-shirts etc they are the taste makers well that's I, their business so this is like second level shit but at the same exactly. time but at the same time though you're not going to have your average metalhead going out and spending you know 300 bucks on a on a jean jacket you know they're going to go find something at goodwill and tear it up and and get their own patches and do it themselves if they're going to do it you know and i don't i, I think what they it's they see those tastemakers then they make something that's similar to it because that that might be what the culture wants right now i i, I don't know it's weird it's just weird that we're even thinking about metal logos and shit in mainstream anything like pop culture anything you know it'll pass <laughs> you know because it's pop culture it only lasts a little while you got to like grab it while it's hot and then you you know let go of it when it turns cold that, it's that's part what, of uh, miley cyrus wearing megadeth t-shirts and shit like and, that and you think people are upset now that pop culture is trying to put band you know fake band logos on stuff people are going to be even more upset when pop culture doesn't give a shit again anymore which is going to happen five minutes from now maybe i mean are they or are they not i mean or is this like is this trend going to deepen because i mean h&m and and diesel and those and groups like that i still think those guys are tastemakers because i really think the people that are in the business of selling shit are walmart and and coals and shit you know what i mean it's it's like those that's who's in the market to sell crap to you it's these these guys that go okay here's the expensive version of this now here's a, go find a cheap version of it which I can't say that you know you go to you go to your average Walmart these days you go to the t-shirt aisle there's quite a bit of metal looking stuff but I think that's also bleed over from the old affliction you know when affliction was still like really popular yeah what a shame that's gone <laughs> right that pop that pop see even if people who like get into the yeah, well I don't know if I'd say I guess that's more of a pop a pop culture thing too but it passed it totally passed tap out nobody cares I've seen tap out shirts here in Ireland and that that's because Ireland's at least 10 years behind the US right yeah I, but is it over I mean there's still those bros that wear that stuff you know yeah, those are the bros who, you know, there's people who, like, get they find their style and they have, a, especially guys, you know, you find your style and you never let it go. I've been buying the same pair of jeans and the same pair of shoes for, you know, 30 years now, you know? I just found true. something and I'm good to go, you know? That's true. Why? Because I don't have to try it on. I, exactly. I, I, I can, those, I know those fit in this size and that does this, except for, you know, I keep getting fatter, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah 10 years from now, I bought, like, four pairs of shoes and I'm. 
about near the end and they damn well better be still available next time I go shopping, you know, and that's just how that goes. But pop culture is a different thing. I think that, you know, it attracts people at the beginning and, and then people drop off. And, and I don't think it gets deeper because when I think of Paris Hilton, I don't think of the word deep. Yeah, you know? good point. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> or Kanye West, for that matter, or, yeah. or Chris Brown or anybody like that. Depth is not the thing that's a core to their values. They're so surface, they don't even care if it's a real band or not. <laughs> uh, good point. Yeah. I still, uh, I would pay to see Chris Brown wear a screwdriver t-shirt. That would be pretty <laughs> fucking priceless. So. Dude, if we had that metal show, it was our show, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be punking people like that. I mean, like, punk, <laughs> like really bad, like almost ruin their careers punking. I mean, that's what the metal show should be doing. You and send, they're not. You send them like a, a high-priced uh, endorsement deal a letter that says we want you to endorse this product <laughs> with all this shit on it and it's all this like that would be fucking hilarious like that'd be like uber troll i think i think we have a goal i, I think I we s- have something we need to work toward in 2015 i say you know who i want to hire is i want to be like the producer of our show would be the guy who talked michael jordan into wearing the hitler mustache in that tv commercial <laughs> no dude. was that like 10 12 years ago or something no dude this is gonna be great trust me this is gonna be great dude no no nobody no 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 i know it looks weird but no no it'll be fine <laughs> oh it's awful it's, it's fucking terrible i love it i love it i love it and, and the best thing about these like you know new pop stars you know like uh who's the chick with the fat ass you know it's like uh, uh kardashian or whatever no, well no the same the one who sings all these songs about her boot booty uh but you know like she doesn't oh, know she doesn't know hitler from from her fat ass you know what i mean so you could make her grow a hitler mustache and you know good to go you know hmm. she, she won't make the connection until you know people magazine or whoever jumps on her well what did you think about this i didn't even know it was a thing yeah, totally. <laughs> that was so long ago <laughs> it's so long ago i don't know nothing about history <laughs> what? What? and there would be us behind the scenes going just own it just own it it's okay <laughs> go ahead <laughs> uh, no trust me just roll with it just roll with it keep going yeah. <laughs> double oh, down I love double it, down man. i love it hey uh, we gotta get into our interview man uh dixie dave collins uh is our guest weed eaters got a brand new album called goliath and that's going to be coming out uh, i think in mid-may ish like uh, 18th something like that and i i actually wrote a review of it for metal injection and it is freaking awesome we got a chance to talk to dixie dave uh for the metal sucks podcast thanks for the call ty hey hey what's going on dude it's uh chuck and godless from the metal sucks podcast brother Hey, Dixie Dave. Hey, what's up? Uh, not much, man. You know, just uh, just uh, calling you, seeing what's going on. Oh, fuck. Not really much. Nothing. I uh, just got up, and I'm walking around fucking Walmart. <laughs> I had to buy some money orders to pay my rent and my bills and stuff, because I'll be leaving uh, in a little while, for a little while. So now I'm kind of lost in here, and uh yeah gonna make me sick or I'm gonna pass out or something shortly that's how they get you dave they they get you with the services that you have to have and then once you're in you know they know they got you it's like the vortex you know yeah i could have got money orders 
elsewhere and spend more money for them, I should have. But like here, you don't have, like elsewhere, you have to buy more money orders. If you're spending it, buying a money order for every 500 bucks, you have to buy two of them. And here, it'll do whatever amount you want. I think up to a couple thousand bucks for one money order. If your rent's $525, then you have to buy two fucking money orders, one for 500 and one for $25. Yeah. Elsewhere. But Walmart doesn't do that, so whatever. I know you're not like an internet type of guy, but there is this service called TransferWise where you can transfer money online for like super, super cheap. It's cheaper than the banks and Walmart and stuff. Well, damn, I have to figure that out. Yeah, I'm not really good. I'm not really good with that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we we can tell by your voicemail being uh, uh, filled and not accepting more messages. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm not too good with that either. I don't even know the I don't even know the, the whatever passcode asked me to, to get in there to listen to my voicemail messages anyway. So whatever is on there filling it up, I haven't heard. So. <laughs> <laughs> so technology is not uh, not not your strong suit. No, not so much. Not so much. No. <laughs> but you used to be the guy who like did all the booking for Weed Eater, didn't you? So you were like like on the payphones and trying to keep track of shit and stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's how I did it. With uh, we did it with uh, payphones. Nobody had a cell phone, and, and also we did it with maps, which is a <laughs> which is a, a lost thing there. Yeah, I navigated around. I navigated us all the time with maps. Dude, what was that? What was that awesome? Uh, the map book that you used to get, like uh, uh, you wait for it to come out every year. Uh, damn it, I can't remember. It was this big book that used to come out, and it had all the maps by region and stuff. It was like the the map that you would buy. Oh yeah, well you know Rand McNally makes a pretty badass map. So does uh, I mean I've got, I've got a couple of different world atlases and stuff. But um, the badass book back in the day, which obviously the internet and all that killed that was. Uh, a book called The Next Exit. It was like a a book that looked like the phone book. And as you flip through it, you go state by state in the U.S. and pick a state and then pick an interstate in that state and then pick which direction you're following on and had every single thing listed for every exit, every restaurant, every gas station, everything. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, and it was in book form. Now you would just, you know, you would just be on Google Maps, I guess, or something. I don't know. Yeah, somebody's doing that in the front of the van. I'm gonna be asleep in the back while they're googling <laughs> shit. I don't know. Like you guys have been doing it so long, and and you know the the, the fact that technology has changed the way it can be done, and yet you guys like are just still doing it the way you've always done it. <laughs> I mean, pretty much, uh, we definitely are. I mean, if I'm now somebody else is tour managing it, and and I'm sure they're doing. Whatever they're doing, they have to be dealing with technology, but I don't really care to. We were still record to tape, you know, whenever we can anyway, and all that jazz. So, so that's all the point of uh, working with Albini, right, to get to get the, the best analog sound you guys want to get? He is one of the uh, – we've been lucky and worked with good analog dudes forever, you know. Um, Billy is one of the best in the world, so is Steve, I guess, too, you know, in my opinion, uh, especially in, like, wider bandwidth, the heavier – well, louder, bassier, I guess, stuff. I guess I wouldn't say exactly bassier, but, you know, fuzzier, heavier stuff, I think so anyway. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just really comfortable at Albini's place, too. You know, he's, the EA is set up really nice for for people to stay there uh, while they're recording and be on site and live in there, stock the fridge up with groceries and cook in there and everything. I don't even think I took my pajamas off last time until we went out to dinner the last night. But uh, it's just comfortable with shit in there and you can 
change stuff and tweak stuff and jam on stuff at night to all through the night if you want to. So, I remember so. reading an interview with somebody like 15 years ago. They were talking about with Albini. The reason that they recorded every album with Albini was that he was the only dude who knew how to tune the drummer's drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he definitely has a good ear for you know for st- stuff like that. He's extremely matter of fact and and really ear producing the record via him. You know, he doesn't have any you know preconceived notions about about anything or or any I, I don't I don't really know exactly how to put it. He doesn't uh, care about the what you think sounds better. You know, like like as far as, as not the actual sound of it, but should this melody go with it or that? He, you know, that's that's up to you. Whatever. He's there to capture it as good as possible and hopefully in tune. <laughs> Would be good. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying what he's the type it's, of... What else is a little bit out there, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's part so, of the deal. <laughs> so Dave, you're saying he's the type of guy who's just sort of a knob twister? He's not the kind of guy who's going to really get into what your song's doing or how it's doing it? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, like, uh, if you were to ask him do, 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 as far as your performance of it, how does that sound to you? But well, that's not, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's your performance of it. It, it, it. I don't know. I don't know how to put it exactly, but... But uh, he's he's definitely it's it's to me it's it's almost easier to deal, work with somebody like that. Maybe it's because of the of the, the type of band it is. You know, we're we're not a band that uh, overthink ourselves. We don't want to stay in the studio for a long period of time and start trying to tweak everything to where you know it's not organic at all. Uh, it's done pretty quickly and and uh, it's supposed to be simple. It's cave metal, you know. Damn it, what we're doing anyway. There's nothing to. Not that it's not so hard to play, it's, it might be hard to write, but, you know, it's just it's very simple. So it works good. That studio works great for us. Yeah, there's not six dudes and a couple of synthesizers and all kinds of other shit going on. It's just, bam, yeah, knock it out. And, and then shit, it's, it's mid-tempo at fa- when it's fast Yeah, for us, you know? So, you know, it's, <laughs> and that's the point of it, you know? It's not, it's not rocket appliances, you know? <laughs> do you feel like he gets you though like as far as uh, gets what you guys are doing and all that stuff because I mean I feel that, that's that got to be you want to make that connection and I mean you guys obviously have well I hope so I mean we didn't forever and ever <laughs> but it seems like it's coming around um, I hope we make that connection it's supposed to be uh, simple and hit you right in the right in the chest and forehead and not go over your head you know uh, just cramming a bunch of notes into something isn't, isn't always the way to go. And, and then sometimes it is, but it just happens to not be for this band. When you're off the road and you're able to just record and just sort of focus on the songs, is it sort of a, a relief that you're not moving? You're not in motion for a little while? Yeah, it's weird to not be in motion for a little while. I got home uh, only tomorrow. I'll, I've been home a week from this last tour, and I still feel weird. And I'm sitting in a Walmart parking lot now being accosted by seagulls. Fucking get out of here. <laughs> and of course, there's some asshole feeding them somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, so if, if you don't live on the beach, and you know, I have my whole life, and you, when you go to the beach, don't feed the goddamn seagulls. They'll shit on you. <laughs> That's how they pay you back for feeding them. So. So, so are you shopping for like another road trip, or are you just shopping for life in general at the moment? Oh, I just went in to buy money orders. Now my girlfriend is there buying buying filters for the water conditioner and something else. We come here about once every freaking three months or something. I hate it. And now I'm in the parking lot 
And here she comes. Awesome. Do you you have a deal with her where, like, she has to pay all the rent when you're not at the house, or do you split it 50-50 all the time? We split it 50-50. That's why I'm I'm here buying money over for the next couple months. Maybe that's a negotiation, you know? Like, hey, I'm only going to pay 50% when I'm around. Yeah, well, nah, I'm not going to do that. That, that would be that would be ungentlemanly. <laughs> <laughs> was it your place or was it her place? Did you get or did you guys uh, we move got it together? We got it. We moved into it together. Yeah, we both had separate places at the same time, and that was stupid because we were both paying rent at a different place. Uh, how long y'all been together? Oh, uh, a long time. Yeah. If you if you didn't like her so much, would you have considered asking about the whole like not splitting fifty fifty deal? <laughs> That's a good question. No, no, there wouldn't be any fifty fifty to split if I like her so much. <laughs> yes. I mean, being gentlemanly is one thing. Well, but, that's what know. happens when you're in the South. You know, you gotta, you know, come on, you gotta take those things, man. <laughs> yeah, but if she were really ugly, I mean, really <laughs> ugly. Yeah, well, I mean, at that point, like I said. <laughs> would not be living in the same house. Yeah, I'd be perpetually on tour, even when I was in town. Like I'd be on tour at the Walmart <laughs> or the IHOP. You know, I don't know. It's whatever people do. <laughs> but if it were an ugly girl that like you trusted, you could just have her hold on to your stuff for a couple months while you're on the road and pay nothing, and then well, dump her when you get back. I'm all the way across seas, man. My stuff isn't that big. Oh, my stuff, like the stuff that I own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess that was. I guess that was good. It's kind of like a glorified storage locker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a real ugly one. <laughs> See, I would figure you guys. You guys know all the tricks on the road. You know how to live cheap, how to eat cheap, all that stuff. And then, like you know, because you don't spend as much time at home, so much you don't get so many opportunities to figure out how to like live cheap when you're not on the road. You know. Uh, yeah, it's weird, you know, you pay for, like, I wasn't here for a month, and I still paid my half of the rent and bills, just because my my stuff is what eats up the whole, the whole damn house anyway, I've got shit everywhere, I've got equipment and stuff all over the damn place, and just stupid shit, too, that I refuse to throw away, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it is weird, you know, you come home and, uh, so you, you really don't live there that often, but right now I have a month here. I plan to enjoy it, and it's warm and nice down here. I went out on the boat with some friends of mine yesterday, so at least I'll be here until the end of May. Good. I was going to say, I, I remember reading uh, Tony Levin's uh, biography, and he was talking about how when he would get off the road with King Crimson or Peter Grable or whoever, it was sort of like he was still in the bubble for a week or two after the tour before he felt like he was home. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're just moving from a different city to, to another city every single day and big drives and rides. And, but at, at the same time, in every city, even though they're all different, it's kind of the same thing. You get to the venue and do the same thing. So when you get home, it's weird. It's weird, like, uh, about the time that I should feel like I should be going on stage, wherever it is, depending on what time zone I was just in. Um I can't sleep and all that shit, you know, and for a long, long time after that. So it's weird, but, you know, it's occupational yeah, you, aspect, yeah. Yeah, as long as the girlfriend, like, sets up a merch booth near the front door of the house, you know, maybe she'll feel kind of the same. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a bad idea. I mean, by, by, by that time of night, though, I got a pretty good buzz. I'd probably just end up buying a bunch of shit for myself. <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. I wouldn't even know how to figure that out, you know. I'll, 
Oh. He puts a couple of pizzas out on a folding table in the back, and life is good. <laughs> you still working for your buddy? Are you still working at the head shop thing? I have read you were yeah, working there for yeah, a long time. I have, um, yeah, I've been there for a long time, 12 years or so. I've, I haven't been working there much this year because we've been super busy. Yeah. But I will go back there as soon as I get done with this next leg of this tour and help them out there. They just had a big sale there, and it's one I, rarely do I miss the 420 sale. I don't know how. I'm always stuck. I'm always in town when it happens, like, and I end up working the sale. But I did not work it this year. We completely dropped the ball by not having you on last week. The 420 podcast. episode, right? I know. Jesus, what the hell were we thinking? Well, a lot of times on 420, you're not thinking. So that's, like, that's, <laughs> that's what that's what the day's for. It's cliche, man. We didn't want to. We didn't want to go there. You know. It's, it's yeah, there you go. Too obvious. No, come on, Chuck. You're the pot smoker. You should have known it was 420. I didn't. Uh, just like just like Dixie's saying, I got no idea. <laughs> Do you have like a pattern before you head out on the road? You know, like a a, a process that you kind of go through, either like in what you're buying or what you're thinking or your emotions or whatever before you head on the road, or is it so second nature now? It's pretty second nature. I don't barely even open my bag and change clothes ever. So my bag is now still packed ready to go the next time I go because I didn't use anything in there. Um, I just wear the same damn clothes. It's disgusting, but it's a lot easier. <laughs> and, uh, and and then I usually do go buy a pack of base trains if I need something. That's about it. Other than that. So chewing gum and a Coca-Cola. All right, good to go. Yeah, that's actually Pepsi-Cola and peanuts. Oh, there you go. <laughs> now, 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 do you pour the peanuts in the Pepsi-Cola? Oh, yeah. All right. Thing. Yeah, yeah. All right. When the buzz oven call comes in, are you like, look, I, I was kind of looking forward to hanging out at home, or, or do you just jump all over that? No, man. I always go and play with Kirk, man. I've always had a good time doing it. He's a good dude, man. And uh, I, I love buzz ovens. It's, we're talking about doing some stuff coming up sometime soon. Last time I spoke to him, anyway. So, yeah, that's definitely something that I'm into, into doing. I do like to have some time at home, but you know it is what it is. Are you fans like getting stoked for stuff like that? I mean, when you when when that that pops up, I mean, are people freaking out about oh, buzz up in this, buzz up in that? Um, it's it's weird when bands don't play for a long time. People do tend to do that. Even Hell Hornets, the, the band with me and Troy and mm-hmm. Vince and 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 Eric Larson. Uh, you know, we haven't played together in a while, and so people so people want to hear it. I guess I don't know. So it's. I guess it makes sense, you know. So, yeah, people, the last Buzz Oven reunion, people were pretty stoked about it, which is cool. Does that sort of, in a way, kind of get on your nerves where it's kind of like, look, but I'm I'm here. I'm still doing Weed Eater, you know, and it's it's awesome, too. So why is everybody excited about this old thing that I did? Yeah, well, the weird thing about that is, like, you know, where was everybody back then? <laughs> yeah. And people were into it back then. There's just, I don't know, I guess word spreads a lot faster now. Well, I'm sure it does about anything. You know, nothing is, uh, you know, you don't go down to the local record store. Well, people do now, and I love to. But, you know, it used to be you had to go to the record store and look at the damn record, look at the artwork, and a lot of times buy it just on artwork alone because there wasn't any chatter out there all over the fucking internet about it. Yeah, you'd be lucky to uh, have a have a place that you could uh, put a record on in the store and listen to it, or get somebody behind the counter that knows what the hell they're talking about. Right, and I mean, I could complain about the fact that it's not like that anymore, which I always do. But at the same time, I think that has a lot to do with uh, 
the amount of people that are listening to bands, as any kind of bands. You know, you can just, the, the information is there. And, and I know it has, a, you know, plays a part in the amount of people that show up at the shows, for sure. You know, that's my job, really. The live thing is, is what I like. So if your band is better on record than they are live, then your band is, I think, good. <laughs> should Start always up. be better live. And the Weed Eater shows are legendary. But going back to the Buzz Oven days, were you upset at Roadrunner Records? Did you guys feel like Roadrunner didn't do what they needed to do for you guys? Um, I did not deal with Roadrunner because I didn't join the band until 95. That was, that, that they, everyone else, that was, that was right when that happened, and everyone did seem to be pretty upset with them. But, uh, you know... I've heard stories, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just seems like you guys, between Buzz Oven and Weed Eater, you've been on just about every label that's out there that's available at this point. Is is, uh, is there any you know particular label that you look forward to a chance to go back to? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, everybody that we've ever worked with has been cool. Um, and hasn't there, we've never had any like bad blood when leaving any label, so... I'd be happy to work with anybody. It just depends on what the deal is and what's going on at the time, I guess. So why the uh, why the change this time around with the with the new record? Because it's on what season? Seasons of Mist, I think, is in is yeah. the new one. And yeah. uh, you were you guys were on Southern Lord. Yeah, uh, those dudes are really cool as well, and uh, they they've got some really good ideas, packaging ideas, and all kinds of stuff. And they work really hard with press and push really hard for the band and, and seem to be good dudes. We just saw them in Philly recently, or a good bit of them. And uh, it's been good working with them so far. They've been very fair with us, and we're stuck on it. So. Yeah, because you're doing one-album deals at this point, I assume, right? Yeah. Is that what you want? Is that like a prerequisite to sign Weed Eater at this point? Uh, I mean, we would be willing to talk about anything, but pretty much, you know. I mean, why not? If it works out good, you can always get the next one. So it sounds <laughs> you know? like it sounds like you look at the label thing as more of a. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a business relationship, but and less of a less of a, a love relationship. You know, some people get into a, a, a deal with the label where they're like, "This is ah, this is where we wanted to be. It's a family, and this and that." It sounds like you guys, it's a tool. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's not just I guess that it's a tool, but we we don't. I mean, I, I don't know. Didn't know any of the people that that I was on a label with until until it happened. So I really don't see the difference with us being a, a bit of a free agent or whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but I I do know that even if we do feel like we're in a family, then we can still just take it record to record. I don't see a problem with that. I mean, you can screw yourself in the end on that too. Yeah. There's some guy with the cart. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll scare away the seagulls. He's got the car manager 5,000 on the back of it pushing it. And like this. Oh, that, yeah. That, that robot took somebody's job. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you ever, robot. Oh, I, I, I was going to say, you, you probably haven't seen them, but like on YouTube, there's videos of like robots that are like picking up uh, plants at a nursery, like one of those massive nurseries, and they have to reset the plants at different distances from each other oh, as man. they grow larger. And they got robots that do that instead of hiring, you know, Holy Mexicans. I'm, man, I'm telling you what, I'm glad that Kelly just went back inside to go to the bathroom because if she worked at a nursery, she would be frightened about the robot situation. Oh, <laughs> totally. 
<laughs> it is interesting the way that like like the world is getting more and more populated, but there has to be at some point less and less jobs available. Yeah, I imagine so. I don't know. So they yeah. crammed about as many people in the cubicles as they can, I think. I think when they legalize weed, the the farming growth is going to be exponential, so it's going to be great. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably the truth. Yeah, definitely. Everybody will come out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Is that like the thing that you've studied more than anything? That the, the the sort of uh, the thing that you're an expert on besides your band? What weed? Weed. Weed. I do. I do like it. I do like it a lot. Yeah. It's, do you study it? Do you like know like you know? There's people who are all into the different strains and how you grow this. Well, and some what, people. You know? Some people are into that endeavor. I let those people handle that endeavor. I just know that you know basics, certain strains, uh, and and whether it be an indica or sativa, you know, matters whether it's an upper or a downer. So if I'm trying to lay down and watch a movie, then I might smoke one of them. Whereas if I'm going to go around town and try and do shit like go to fucking Walmart, uh, money <laughs> orders, I might smoke a different strain. Which right. is what I did this morning. I don't know. Getting high and going to Walmart, that's no fun for anybody. Yeah, but, but not being high in Walmart is even worse. <laughs> uh, Touche. All right. Yeah, good point. <laughs> I was just picturing with like with like Obama the other day is talking about how medical marijuana might be okay, and I was like picturing him doing the, that press conference where he announces that like medical marijuana now available U.S. it's all good, and you standing next to him as like the national Sp- consultant Spokesman? on weed. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I pro- I, he would first off as an ambassador, he would need Willie Nelson up there too for sure. True. But, but, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of people out there that are fucking super smart about it. I mean, but I, I do know which one to mess with at what time of the day and, and depending on what's coming up. And then at the same time, I'll just hit it anyway. If someone hands me something, I'll have absolutely no idea what's in there, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Got in trouble a couple of times with that one. So I'm, uh, Yeah, that's true. But, see, that's cool, too. That's just <laughs> Then you got to figure out what was in that one. You're like, was that good or bad? I don't know. Well, all right, we'll try it again. All right. Well, you've had a, a, a history of uh, running into uh, the police in, in Europe over that at this point, no? Uh, yeah, a couple times uh, I've had problems uh, over there just when you find it a weed. Um, Is that just a slap on the wrist, or have you guys faced any, like, been really were, frightened they by were, the they were, very cool. they were very cool about them in Germany. They were extremely thorough, like they are about everything in Germany. Mm. Which can be good, but yeah, so it's, you know, a 14-hour process that ends up, okay, don't do it again. So you might miss a show, you know, which would suck. And then you're, you know, however many more kilometers behind the next town that's on the other side of that show that you missed. But you've you've never been worried about you're going to, like, thrown in a gulag or something for months or, you know, something like that. When they put me in one time, when they put me in a holding cell in Germany, it was so clean and so nice. That I just laid down and took a nap, and the guy came back and he was wondering why I was freaking out and I was asleep. <laughs> I've only been there like 15 minutes, so I was just like, I'm exhausted anyway from riding all over Europe for the past <laughs> month. I'll just take a nap. Nobody's in here to bother me. This is awesome. Yeah, and he's <laughs> obviously not been in a U.S. jail anytime soon. Yep, yep, the old U.S. jail. Yeah, that one sucks. But <laughs> what yeah, can you do? Yeah, county ain't no fun. <laughs> Nope. Have you had any run-ins with the with the law stateside though? Uh, it's just problems with drinking and driving and shit like that. I have to go to jail for that. But when I went to jail for my last DUI, anyway, uh, I uh, had just blown my toe off with a shotgun recently, so that was lucky. So <laughs> the, therefore, they had to let me in with a cane. 
So I had a big ass stick with me. So therefore, they had to put me in my own cell by myself, which was killer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> did, did they show mercy because of your condition type of thing? No, no, none at all. It was a pain in the ass to make them let me in with the cane. But then oh. when they did, it turned out to be great because I was just by myself. And how many times have you gotten uh, DUI? Uh, I've been convicted of two of them. And I might have been arrested for another one or a couple other ones. Uh, <laughs> one or two more. <laughs> you, will you ever lose your license? Is it, isn't it not like one of those things? Yeah, yeah, they take, definitely take your license in North Carolina. I don't drive currently. Okay, got it. Yeah, well, well, that's actually pretty good when you're on tour. you got to make the merch guy drive. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, exactly. Exactly. We don't, I don't have a license anyway, so I won't be yeah. driving for sure. Dave, I saw this interview with you uh, that was from a few years ago, and you were talking about uh, your dad and how he had uh, made your sisters play piano, but that you played some piano as well. Yeah, that's true. They, uh, they wanted my sisters to play piano and and not me, and they didn't want to play piano, and I did. But I just learned from watching what they were attempting to teach my sisters, and they were had no interest in it, so... They didn't retain any of that information that I did, so I played piano since Was there any sort of like, uh, I don't know, did, did, did your parents support the music later on, or were they sort of upset that you were the one who took it on? Well, my mom has always supported me in anything that I did. She was just, you know, the little boy is supposed to go play sports, and the girls are supposed to play piano. It was my father's thing, pretty much. But, yeah, my mom's always been cool. She bought me my first bass guitar. Wow. That's awesome. Cool. Do you still have a relationship with both your parents? Uh, my father is, is dead. My mother is uh, lives right here in the same town as me, and she's awesome. She still lives in the same house that we moved moved into in 1975. Did you get along with your dad before he passed, and how long has he been gone? Yeah, uh, eight years, and, and yeah, I did. I would go down to South Carolina and visit him a lot. My parents were separated. Well, they weren't even separated. They, just, they were still married, but lived apart for years. But my dad didn't like to be around people, and this town has gotten out of hand. There's people everywhere. So he moved back to the middle of nowhere, middle of South Carolina. Like, absolutely, you could take a nap on his road, and they would, have, would come by. It must have been you know, great to have had the success with Weed Eater that you had, just for no other reason than your dad to see that that you were able to make something you out of it. You do it with the music. Yeah, he, he knew that. We would stop by and see him, and sometimes he would grill steaks for us and shit whenever we would be driving by that way, whether we were going to Savannah or somewhere to play a show. He was supportive of it if he wasn't of anything else. He was, didn't really say much of nothing. Wait, old, wait, you salty, said, old salty Korean war vet, you know, so. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I love that line. He was as supportive of it as he was of anything else. It makes yeah. me figure that he, like, just a curmudgeon that just didn't support anything. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah, he, he probably supported a bit of. He supported George Dickel and Benson and Hedges. Again, that's, that's a well, that's a different generation, though. You know, man. I yeah. mean, that's a that's just that, that's how it was. You don't talk about your feelings. You don't do any of that shit. You just do it. Go to work. Yeah, but they were so yeah. wrong. That generation sucked. <laughs> I mean, that whole like greatest generation shit is just bullshit. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's it's a weird thing for sure. My dad was old school. Uh, uh, you know, he was a, he was a good dude, but he was he was definitely definitely ornery. <laughs> I, I, and none I, of that bled over. You didn't you didn't pick up any of that, right? 
No. 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 <laughs> I saw this great documentary recently. It's called My Own Man, and, and it's really about this guy and his relationship with his dad and about how his dad like went from point A to point B to point C in his career. Like He went to school, became a surgeon, you know, everything in a, in a straight line, real macho dude, and he is like gone every which direction. And there was this revelation in the documentary about how he sort of realized that he's always tried to have success in any way possible other than the way his dad had it. He, that rebellion was just so much to his core that he just couldn't, it, it just made everything different. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, a lot of people probably do lash out, at the, you know, or, you know, rebel against or whatever you want to say. If you go, you know, definitely shy away from how their mother or their father was in a lot of different cases. I guess, um, I guess old school, it was, you know, the father was the, was the asshole and the reprimander and the mother was the, the nurturer. So, but I don't know if it, how much it is that way these days. It might be, it just depends on the person, I guess. And, uh, was that rebellion, like something that is, you know, made, drove you to, to heavy music or, uh, did it inform sort of just like who you've become at all? I, I'm sure that it did. And it's not, anything new either you know like uh that's what kids do kids have been doing that forever some of them just end up actually fully committing to it and staying kids a lot longer (laughs) (laughs) some of them eventually some of them eventually can't roll the dice the last time and say all right i give in i'm gonna go fucking do this and then some of them have no choice you know i i just i don't know you just gotta kind of go for it put your balls in your back pocket and, and hope you don't fall on your ass, you know?
to the Metal Sucks Podcast today.
new music from Slayer. Slayer! Ah, When the Stillness Comes is the name of the song. Is that, I, I don't even know if that's going to be on the record or not. Oh, gotta be on the record. That riff is awesome. It's actually pretty stellar it was uh, I, I was walking by uh, I, was, I was working uh, I was here at the, at the in, in the shop and I was listening to my radio station no control radio by the way and it popped on and I was like damn this is oh wait this is the new Slayer song I was like holy shit it reminded yeah. me of like some old school Slayer stuff right I think Kerry King's got something to prove you know he's like everybody's this is the thing everybody's eulogizing uh, Jeff Hanneman just like we were talking uh, uh, last week I think uh, uh, with uh, uh, Matt Harvey about how you know in, now in retrospect since he's dead Chuck Skuldiner can do no wrong right but yeah, yeah, the yeah. same thing now happens with Jeff Hanneman and it's like there's Kerry King going hey you know I had something to do with this shit too I'm not our Garfunkel out here I, I you know I, I can write some freaking riffs and, and I think this riff proves it and I think it would be great if and I'm not saying it's going to happen but it would be great if Slayer have got a really great album coming out and you know afterwards Kerry can go yeah we, you know we had some of Jeff's other ideas but we didn't even use them because we thought the album was great I mean I'd be just like total fuck you to Jeff Hanneman but you know it'd be Kerry King like trying to prove hey this is still my gig man I can still do this and it, you know if I had died you guys would be like worshipping at my grave but I'm not so you know get off well I think that's the whole thing is because a lot of people go back through the catalog and they look at what happened Hanneman wrote and they're like wait a minute he wrote most of like the good shit <laughs> and so so when you when you go back and you look at it you're like in in the years since it's sort of been like well it's okay it's not bad it sort of sounds slayer-ish but it doesn't have any like it doesn't it doesn't feel like it has a lot of soul to it and i think this song is one of those things that's that that is trying to bring that back in and i think you may be right that that carrie king is trying to prove something here what's it called again uh, when the stillness comes, or uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, I wonder if that's like a song about Jeff Hanneman's right arm. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's thank you, check. All right, <laughs> yeah, Slayer's new album. Fuck you, Jeff Hanneman. You know, <laughs> I mean, in a way, that's that's what I hear, and I know that that's not right. I'm sure he liked them and all that stuff, but you know, you're thinking I subconsciously think, here. You know, there might be a subconscious yeah. thing going on where, where no, and I could t- I could totally see that in a way because. Because for because you get that when you when you die you like you said you can do no wrong. Jeff Hanneman has managed to write no bad songs in the last year. it's terrible. But it's true. All right, I got I got to break away from this because uh, I don't want to talk about Jeff Hanneman anymore. It's gonna make me cry. Instead, yeah, yeah. I, instead I want something that's gonna make me fucking laugh. How about Pat Robertson? Oh, you know, it's funny because like when I go to the gym, uh, you know, like they almost always have 700 Club on at that time in the morning and it just pisses me off because it's like it, it, the, du- the dude, the dude is always saying something awful and he shouldn't be on television and, and it, okay, if you're going to, if he's going to buy his airtime, which is what he does, he buys his airtime, uh, then, you know, nobody should be forcing it on anybody turn it off you know put on a different channel i'm gonna force it on everybody right now because this is fucking brilliant man and 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 if nothing else the 700 club and pat robertson for one thing is fabulous is for great great quotables i mean like some of the best 
old man shit that you could ever think of. Like I would never, I would just, could you imagine like if you said some of this shit in public and just was, Oh my God, really? Did you, <laughs> did you really just say that? And this guy says it on a, you know, a Christian TV channel. All right. L- l- let me play the clip. Pat, this first one is from Marie who says my son is 11 and he's recently started listening to music that speaks of the beast within and the infection in people. And it's almost come to the point of me giving up trying to parent him. He's constantly mean and nasty to us and I worry for his soul. I'm not going to give up on him and I know the Lord's going to save him but what can I do to help him become a nicer person and the sweet little boy I miss so much? Well, I'll tell you what you can do. Recognize he's going into puberty and he's got all those issues. I mean, I, I you know, so some psychiatrists say, oh, remember, he's got puberty issues. Getting here. But it doesn't hurt to smack a little 11-year-old around a little bit and say, <laughs> look, kid, I'm your parent. You behave. You're not going to listen to that garbage in my house. If you do, I'm going to tear it up and break those records. I'm not going to, or CDs or whatever. iPods. Whatever, you know, yeah. iPod or however you I mean, get that mess. I he's only 11, so. Yeah, I know he's only 11. He's just a little twerp and you make that little twerp <laughs> behave he's your kid he's just a little boy yes, yes. removing privileges too because an 11 year old can't drive so they can't go anywhere yeah, well, without you, you do i don't know what he what his privilege is but the thing there's a lot of evil in the world and you have to protect kids from evil and 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 you've got to do it any way you want to but look little kids little boys i guess you act like you're a single woman and they'll take advantage of you because they figure if there was a man in the house well she says he's constantly mean and nasty to us and so well us well then daddy had better get in there little kid wouldn't do that with me i promise you okay <laughs> i promise you i'll tell you what i'll tell you you're gonna do it with me and then you know oh my god really is the kid listening to in this moment I was trying to th- I was trying to think of what he was listening to actually with, with that with those lyrics. Did you did yeah. you look those up by any chance? I, I, that's what I'm doing right now, and it's like it's some obscure doom band, another obscure this, another obscure that, and then there's in this moment I've got a song that's got a lyric that says "Beast Within," and I'm oh, like, maybe oh, maybe that's what it is. Ass. Maybe that's what it is, dude. Yeah, that little boy's not listening to it for the music. I know that for sure. <laughs> Shit, no. <laughs> and he's 11. Give him two more years, he ain't gonna be listening either. I want the liner notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah sorry that's what he's doing that's the evil within he's trying to get it out what what bugs the shit out of me is like whenever you like you know i'll put on facebook i'll, uh, I'll put you can follow me at Gallo speaks on facebook it, it, <laughs> i'll put like you know one of these things that that pat robertson says and then all of the christian people uh, who will you know friends and stuff will respond with oh well this is this guy's an outlier we don't believe this and it's like no no you guys do you don't understand this is the dude who's got more followers in the christian community than just about anybody he makes more money than just about anybody from these followers it ain't just old people it's it, it, here's his mom of an 11 year old kid she's probably what she she's christian so she probably got knocked up when she was 17 so I mean, she's like yeah. late 20s now you know exactly so uh you know she ain't an old person she's watching the 700 club they still exist this guy is mainstream christian thought and 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 he should be shunned but the reason he doesn't get shunned is because nobody wants to admit that they believe his shit too but i think the real question is is how do we really really protect our kids from metal music how do we how do we (laughs) how do we really shield our children from being exposed to such evil presences that are out there in the world and i mean i think hitting them is a great way to do it i think you know beating the (laughs) shit out of them 
will make them stop doing whatever the fuck it is that they're doing. You know, just a good, uh, a swift hand across the uh, across the mouth, and and I think that'll that'll definitely do it. We don't always ask musicians like, all right, so why did why do you make heavy music? We don't always ask that question, but I think consi- pretty consistently when when we do, the response is al- something along the lines of, you know, look, dad dad was a little bit like Pat Robertson, both in his beliefs and in his uh, uh, corporal punishment, you know, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, you're trying uh, to get away from that idea. Yeah, a lot of people or rebel against of, it or whatever. Yeah, for a lot of people, they got issues that are just like what this guy's been propagating. So I thank you, Pat Robertson, for making metal fans out of <laughs> right the children of the dumbasses who watch your damn TV show. Because truthfully, as a father, the way to actually get your child to not do something that you don't want them to do is to incorporate it into whatever you do yourself. That's so right. so if if you don't want your kids to listen to metal music, go to H&M and buy yourself one of those jackets <laughs> with the fucking fake metal bands on it. Get yourself an In This Moment CD and pop it in the car and listen to it and start enjoying it. Maybe go to a concert with them or something like that. And as soon as you do that, they'll be listening to fucking Beyonce before you know it. Yeah, Percy Faith. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, no, dad likes that? No, I'm done. I'm done. Totally done. Whatever. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, uh, th- th- so why? All right. So there have been these. This is sort of what got me thinking, right? So there are these times in history where people did stop listening to metal. At least True. a lot of people did. You know, we talked about this last week with Matt Harvey and a little bit with uh, um, uh, Dixie Dave this week about how they were both around or started up at a time where people walked away from metal. It was the doldrums. And, it was the mid-90s. The mid We've talked about it with so many bands before. Yeah. So what what happened? You know, what got it? What is the real way to get people to stop listening to metal? Look at 1993, 1994, 1995, and I'll bet you the answer is right there. Yeah, it's called the Black Album. That's a, that's pretty much what did it. You know, <laughs> the Black Album caused everybody to go, fuck it, I'm done. Yep. Uh, I mean, really, in, in essence, well, there's a couple of things, right? Okay, so... I was thinking about I was thinking about it from the perspective of um, of seeing what happened with nine eleven. Uh, you know that was something that happened that suddenly everybody felt like things that were violent were it, it was hard for people to cope with because I saw it happen in radio trends like in, like in what was happening on the air because you know like new metal was going it was on the air it was you know we were, uh, had a louder music that was getting out there and propagating through the mainstream radio and stuff like that and as soon as as soon as 9-11 happened wasn't a year later that all that stuff started to kind of fade away and get quieter and get quieter because i felt like the mainstream audience couldn't handle that stuff anymore they just couldn't take it in their brain i think the 90s was a different thing because i think the 90s was more of a a culture shift where that mainstream was starting to incorporate some of the metal stuff. So the metal people were like, nope, done, throw the cards up and walk away from it. Yeah, so if Pat Robertson, if he were to uh, uh, blow up a building, which his religion could very well do that anytime now. They certainly have tried with the NAACP and other places. You know, when they're successful at it, people will stop listening to metal because they, you know, that, that, that's the way to do it, Pat. <laughs> no, no. Or the, like what I said, the other, the, other, the other flip side is, is the incorporated into the mainstream, dad likes your metal, so yeah. you suddenly nobody likes it anymore. I mean, I was so pissed. I remember like very vividly because I graduated high school, like I think in 92. Right. And my school song was Metallica. Nothing else matters. Right. For the for the class song. Oh, I'm so sorry. And not 
not two years later, I was pulled, or two years earlier, I was pulled into the principal's office for wearing a Ride the Lightning shirt, and I had to flip it inside out, right? And now... It's the fucking song that they're playing the goddamn graduation. What the fuck is wrong with you fucking people? I'm going to fucking, oh my God, what the fuck? Yeah, I was right there for that, for that, for that exact reason. It was like, I was done. Done with you people. Isn't it great the way that censorship works? (laughs) Right, I know. Censorship is not about trying to protect people. It's just about making sure that the mainstream continues to be unaffected. And when the mainstream decides what you can and cannot do, and that is censorship. That's where it comes down. So that's exactly right, man. That sucks. Yeah. Sucks. That's crazy. Thank God I'm not in school anymore, man. I had a t-shirt of uh, Jesus getting a blowjob that I wore in high school. And luckily, was like all sketched out really funny you could barely make out what it was but uh uh yeah mom was upset when i came home she could see that right away what the hell that was so. well i was wearing i it was i was wearing um i forgot i get uh, i get somebody kind of give me some weird looks about you know with their kids and stuff because i was wearing a weed eater t-shirt actually like in line at the grocery store you know and i'm uh-huh. like because it, it, it has the word weed on it oh no and it's the one with like a fucking um, uh, uh, the Sasquatch on it, right? And you can't really see it. He's got, it's a really distressed thing. He's like holding fucking weed in his hands, and just as we, and I was getting this fucking eyeball, this look up and down. It's like, what the? Oh, 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 oh. Uh-huh. And it's light blue. It's a light blue t shirt, too. <laughs> and so it's really, I'm like, oh, I don't know. But actually, in the end, that makes me feel good about myself because I love it when people look at me and think I'm a, I'm a freaking reject. It's awesome. Hell yeah, because you it, so it's so easy to prove them wrong. I know, and that's actually my favorite thing is yeah. is is to go. Oh, by the way, this really really strange looking dude with a beard down to his balls. Uh, what the fuck does he know? And next thing you know, I can blow him away with uh, with my words, and it's pretty awesome. Yes, yeah, and your 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 amazing tenor. <laughs> <laughs> my words right now are not blowing anybody away. I know that for sure. Huh? So, yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, we got to wrap this show up. <laughs> All right, I'm done talking now. Uh, you know, it's so great the way that Pat Robertson is still alive. I mean, if you want evidence that there is no God, that is it. You right, know? totally. Indeed. Oh, man, I can't wait. I, I hope he talks about some. You know what we need to do? We need to send Pat Robertson some questions. Oh, I wonder if we could get an interview with him for our 100th episode. No. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Tell him it's like for Joel Olstein or something, you know? Yeah, maybe we, now, now we maybe ought to go, start thinking a little bit outside the box. <laughs> metal for moms. Hey, all right. Well, this is a Christian metal. That's uh, what this is. Uh, yeah, we could take uh, No, seriously, I think we should, uh, we should get some good metal questions or or heavy music related questions and send them all to pat roberts to see if he'll answer them and we can get some more of this stuff out of them that'd be great oh i totally just want to get him on the mic you know you just throw him some rope over the phone and just watch him hang and hang himself you know that how that works it'd be so good yeah but he does it every damn day on the 700 club dude so it's not you know i mean it's it won't be anything new my favorite thing is that woman sitting there next to him, and she's just uh-huh. smiling and nodding. Uh-huh. And yeah, beat oh. him. That's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just beat the shit. That's great. Good. Okay. 
He did almost cuss though. That was even awesome for us. Yeah. Tell that little sh- tell that stir, uh, uh, that was great. That's like my favorite part of that when he almost cusses. All right, let's wrap this thing up, man. Uh, the, thanks to Dixie Dave for being our guest this week, and uh, thank you, uh, Godless, as well uh, for you. for being awesome as always. And uh, let's see, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Uh, to search Metal Sucks Podcast, you'll find it on there, and leave us a couple of stars. Tell us it'll be suck. Uh, you can also find us on Stitcher and all those places, as well as the Twitter box. I'm at Bearded Ape. I'm at Godless Speaks and Facebook Godless Speaks and Spotify Godless Speaks. I'm working on my 2015 best of list, though, you know, because it's coming up. It's almost like mid-year already, you it's, know? It's April, dude. Come on, man. I know, but little, it's going to take some time to get, put that together. So I need suggestions. I'm going to make that playlist like uh, shareable so that you can like, if you follow me on Spotify, you can dump stuff in there and that that's going to help because I'm man, I, I'm having a hard time. I'll so help far. you out, dude. I got a bunch of good stuff, but you don't like the shit I like. So, you know, yeah, slower, the better. Come on, let's bring it <laughs> slow and heavy, bro. That's just like I walk. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah good times and also if you're looking for metal like what i do like i do actually do a radio station at no control radio on twitter uh or no control radio.com as well as another place you can get uh, some more metal so streaming 24 7 pretty awesome dude and every week of course you can find us at metal sucks.net on mondays this week we're brought to you by the biggest music touring festival the rockstar energy drink mayhem festival it enters its eighth year with another fantastic heavy metal and hard rock lineup featuring slayer of course who we just talked about king diamond hell yeah devil wears product and more for full dates and ticket information go to livenation.com all right that does it for the metal sucks podcast till next week i'm chuck i'm godless and this is the metal sucks podcast Love